I know that so many of you were praying for me. I, I can't even begin to tell you what that means. Um, when you sense that a, a, some people are asking the Lord to watch over you and to care for you, it's, it's, it's beyond wonderful. It's, it's beyond anything I've ever known. I want to confess to you before uh, you and our Lord I already have to Him, I'm a hypocrite and a liar. Gosh, I've told everybody for so long that I really want to go home to be with the Lord. I, I can't wait to go be with the Lord. I'll take me today. I'm ready. I am a liar. I was laying in bed. I'm a hypocrite and a liar. I was laying in bed asking the Lord, please, not now. It's really, it was such a strange sensation um, because while I was saying, please, not now, I was saying to myself, you liar, you hypocrite. Um, I, uh, and you know what's really strange? I missed you. I missed this church. It was like, um, you know, of course my wife, I didn't want to be away from her, and of course our kids and all of that. But my, my thought ran to this place and to you guys. It's, it, was, um, it was such a wonderful feeling that the Lord God had... You know, I tell you I love you, and then sometimes I wonder, am I just saying that? No, I'm not, by the way. Right now I can tell you, through my prayers, I wanted to be back here with you guys. I wanted to be in, in, in your midst. I, I don't care if I'm the senior pastor. I want to be here to worship with you. I love you people so much. And, uh, and so I thank you for your prayers, and uh, I uh, confess to you what I just confessed to you. Uh, I'm, uh, if, if ever you hear me say, boy, I want to be with the Lord, I'll take me today if you want. You, I'm lying. I, I, <coughs> I want to be here. Uh, it was a strange sensation in my heart. Because I was very sincere when I said it. I mean, I wasn't lying to myself at the time. I, I was sincere. But <laughs> I wasn't telling you the truth. I, I really, really want to be here with you. And I love being here with you. I, I tell you one thing. In, in difficulties comes blessings. And the blessings was that... <coughs> I might cough a little bit, but I'm, I'm okay. Um, the blessings were that, that we have an opportunity to hear uh, Rob Selleck. And we had an opportunity here at David Briggs, and and to be introduced to Mark McGrath. What a what a blessing we are as a church uh, to have that comforting of, of these men that are able to teach the Word of God. My my wife came to every service. I wasn't able to, I wasn't feeling that well. But she always she came home and she said, "Wow, are we in good hands? Wow, was that a great service? Wow, is everything in order in our church? We got we got just men who." who just kind of want to relate to you and, and are just eager to, to preach the Word of God. And I, that's been my life since I came to Christ or, or since I became a pastor. It's been my life desire is that, is that, is that we, we, we present to, to the people that come here the, the most clearest picture of Christ that we can without a lot of hoopla, a lot of, uh, of um, misdirection but that we just present Christ. And so I, I am very honored to, to be in a church where, where we have so many wonderful people who serve the Lord without anything in return, just faithfully serve the Lord, <clears throat> and where God has given us some really wonderful preachers to be able to present the gospel. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. You know, as, as I get older, it's, it's, it's important that I see that happening when, in the midst of this church. Is, um, I want it to be healthy and blessed.
boy, are we healthy. I'm not, but we are as a church. Now, where do I begin? Golly. We came to 1 Peter. We're in 1 Peter. Would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 3? That's where we left off. And I wanted to take us on a journey because Peter was on, on, on the health of a good and godly marriage. The, the institution that God has ordained for this day is the church. A par, a, a, alongside of the church, He has ordained and blessed marriages. And this world in which we live is trying to tear this down, this institution of the church, this institution of marriage. And so I, I get what Peter's trying to do. I, I, I don't understand how it came into this play. I don't understand how he came from where we were talking about the sufferings of Christ to the ideal marriage. But it doesn't matter where it came from. Where it is, is is right here. We can't miss it. And so we come to 1 Peter chapter 3. And verses 1 through 7 starts the whole ideal of what does a husband look like and what does a wife look like in the framework of marriage. What does God ordained? Ah, my brother. Thanks, man. I love you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Was I gurgling? <laughs> oh, thanks, darling. Oh, my wife, that's sweet. Mm. I'm supposed to drink fluids. So, anyways, what the heck? Anywhere, where's I? Well, in the framework of marriage, there's the husband's role and there is the wife's role, and they're very specific, very specific, and and they're laid out for us. Listen, listen to this. Just read it, but. But read it with um, listening to what is Peter saying about the role of a wife and a husband between verses 1 and verse 7. Six verses for the woman, only one verse for the husband. (laughs) The Lord knows we're so dense. Don't confuse us with a lot of stuff. Give us what we're supposed to do. And to the woman he says this. Listen, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. But let me say this to you, ladies. I, I understand... When you hear the S word, submission, it stings. And don't tell me it doesn't, because I know it does, because the Bible teaches us that it does. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that in the very first marriage that was ever performed, back in Genesis chapter 2. When we get through with this first seven verses here in Peter, we're going to go back to Ephesians, touch on that, and Ephesians takes us back to where God brought Eve to Adam and he said for this cause a man shall leave his mother and his father he shall cleave unto his wife the two of them shall become one flesh both of them were naked and not ashamed there is so much in those four things leave cleave one flesh naked and not ashamed so much about marriage is written in those words but we need to get a framework first and so to the ladies we say no, not we. Our Lord God says, verse 1 of chapter 3 of First Peter, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Verse 3, let not your adornment be merely external, braiding of hair, wearing gold jewelry, 
putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Verse 7. You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel. We'll learn what that means in time. Since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I know of, I know of no one weaker than a believer in Jesus Christ who believes or understands that his prayer life is being hindered. And man, one of the things that, that, that's two things that you and I need to be concerned as a husband, as a man. By the way, this is, if you're not married and you're not a husband and you're not a wife, this is still going to be interesting for you to understand and comprehend. There's still much to be learned, even as a single person. But there's two areas in life for for a man to be concerned about his prayer life. That's sin. If there is sin in your life, deal with it so that your prayers will not be hindered. And if your relationship is wrong with your wife, deal with it so that your prayer life will not be hindered. How do you and I as a husband, we're going to look at this next week, but how do you and I as a husband make sure that our, that our living with our wives is not doing it in such a way that our prayer life is hindered? And I'll tell you, there's only one way. There's not a myriad of books that anyone ought to read on marriage other than the Bible. I've never recommended a book to any couple getting married if the wife didn't write it. If the wife wrote it, then read it, husbands. But if the wife hadn't written the book, then just ask. That's when, way back in the beginning, when he says you are naked and not ashamed, that was talking about transparency. That's talking about communication in marriage. The best way to know if you're doing well with your wife, husbands, is ask. Ask her. I remember I I took Kay out. We, We normally... Before we, we we generally went out every day every week for a, a date. We we went out. We had a, a a date that we we would have with one another. It was very regular. We're not doing it lately. I don't know why. By the way, that just convicted me. But but we we had this date night day where we we talked with one another and we both liked lunch. We didn't like staying out late. We didn't like fancy places. We liked going to some place that was simple that we can get a meal. And we didn't like it to be crowded because we wanted to talk to one another. So we normally went either really early for lunch or in the middle. When everyone left, we, we would show up for lunch. And I was, I was really, I was just, I had the best week in my life. I treated her like gold. And so I couldn't wait to ask her, how am I doing? Because I knew she was going to take a gold star and put it right on my little forehead. So I didn't even wait. We were opening the door to the place we were going. As I recall, it was a Mexican restaurant uh, and, and as I was opening the door, I said, tell me, how, how, how have I been this week? How's everything been going? And I'm waiting to hear just nothing but glorious things. And she said, you've been just terrible. Oh, 
I felt like saying, oh, there's the door. If you don't like the way I'm... <laughs> That's what I felt like doing. But that wouldn't be the right response, would it? The right response was, tell me where I've messed up. I want to make it right. And so for us to understand our wives, man, we need to talk. We need to communicate. Now, we've read these verses. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. And let's see what he has to say to the women. Next week, we'll talk to the men. Father, please, would you bless this time? Father, it's a, it's a, it's a very glorious place that Peter has led us. He's taken us to the very essence of life, and that's marriage, husband and a wife. And then with that comes the family and the whole idea of marriage, which you have ordained for this time, along with the church, Father, to, to demonstrate to the world what it looks like to love you through a godly, good marriage. So, Father, would you open up our eyes so that we would behold wonderful things that come from your law, the very essence of what we read here in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Father, there's so much to comprehend. (coughs) Help us, dear Lord, to understand it. And, Father, would you move me aside so that, please, Lord, let me not interfere with what is such a critical, critical uh, union of a man and a woman husband and a wife. So move me aside so that I don't interfere. Father, let us just cling to your words and your words alone. In the meantime, Father, may, we, may I thank, thank you so much for Rob Sellers, for Dave Briggs, for Mark McGrath, filling this pulpit beautifully, Father. It's a, it's a privilege to be a part of this church, Lord. I thank you for it. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Okay, here's, here's where we begin. Peter begins by saying to the wives, you are to be submissive to your own husbands. He says that in verse 1. And then to the husband he says, I want you to live with her in an understanding way. Let's begin with the obvious, submission. Now, I know that that word stings in the heart of a woman. I I know it. Don't deny it. I I will prove it to you later that it stings. I get it. But Paul shines more light on this verse by telling us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, that a husband and wife are to be subject or submissive to one another in the fear of Christ. And so what we see in marriage is there is to be submission from one to another. How does that work? Well, for a marriage, for for instance, if I am to understand my wife Kay in an understanding way, I'm to understand who she is, how did God make her, what makes her thrive, what makes her flourish as a woman. Now, some men have married low-maintenance people. I'm in really deep water right here. I give you that. Others have married wild stallions. I happen to love wild stallions. My wife is not passive, which I love. And so I am learning about her as I grow as a husband And I realize that that God has created her 
and gifted her amazingly in many, many areas far more than He has gifted me. And so for her to flourish, I need to find out how do I help her how do I help her in this thing called marriage? She is to be submissive to me. And I am also to be submissive to her. And so I find that there are certain things in our lives that she's just flat better than me at. And so what I do as the leader of the house, as the spiritual leader of the house, as the one that she is supposed to be submissive to, I delegate to her certain places of authority, and I become submissive to her in those areas. And if I do it correctly, then I teach her what true submission looks like. Husbands, if you have a stallion, be careful. Be careful. In a sense, be careful that you do not break them to where they're They're not being all that God has created them to be. Let them flourish. Live with your wife in an understanding way, gentlemen. And so we are to be submissive to one another. But to understand God's idea of marriage and submission, you and I need to first learn what are the issues that make us different. What are our roles? Our roles are different. If you recall, I said a while ago, before, a month ago, before I got sick, I, I, we were in Genesis, and I talked that, that a man was formed out of the dust of the ground, Genesis 2-7. And a woman in Genesis 2, I believe 18, but don't, it's right around there. A woman was, was uh, uh, fashioned. So we are formed, a woman is fashioned right from the get-go. God made us different from one another so that we could complete one another as a being. God said to Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make you a helper. That is meaning someone that is suitable for you, someone who will complete you as a man. And so he fashioned into, out of the rib of a man, a woman, to complete him. So we need to know that our roles within this whole framework of marriage are not the same. And to learn exactly what these roles are, we need to take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, you need to take a good hard look at what God is asking of you. And men, we need to take a good hard look at what He's asking of us in verse 7. And then we'll compare all of this with Ephesians and Genesis so that we can may really understand where has God taken us on this journey as husbands and wives. Let's take a look for the wives in verses 1 through 6. And by the way, it's so good to see you guys back there. Hi. Is it Mary Lou or Mary Ann? I always forget. Mary Lou. And, yeah. How those These two dear ladies, when we first were starting as a church, were the very foundation of our, our children's ministry and ministry in our church. They're lovely, lovely women who, I, I think you moved to, to Arizona or Vegas. I can't remember. Uh, I'm old. I did at least rec- recognize you both. Anyways, let's talk to the ladies. Let's do. Let's look closely at what Peter asks of you. First off, Peter says in verse 1, you are to be submissive to your own husband. I want you to note, 
you are not necessarily to be submissive to every man that walks the face of this earth. You are to be submissive to the man that you are married to. Here's the first thing you need to note, ladies. God never intended women. I know there's, a, there's an outcry that, that Christian women are, are doormats and all of that. God never intended a woman to be a doormat or not equal to any of us within the body of Christ, within the, the whole world in which we live. We're all in this together. She is a, a woman is as, as much a vital part of this life that we live as any other person that walks the face of this earth. But to her husband, to her husband, she is to be submissive. It's very explainable. We'll see in time. But we also see that God Himself places a very high role upon the importance of the shoulders of a man, the husband, to care for her. He says in Ephesians, God does, to the husbands, He says in Ephesians 5.25, I want you to love your wife like I have loved the church. That's a tall order, gentlemen. And then he says in verse 7 of 1 Peter 3, we're to live with her in an understanding way. But to the wife, God simply says, verse 1, chapter 3, be submissive to your own husband. So there are now two roles. Both of them are fixed. Neither of them have changed in any time of, of life. They're the same. God ordained it from the very beginning, and they are the same within every marriage. And so God now deals with how, how do you as a woman live out this role as a wife? When we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, the words, you've got to start from the very essence of verse 1. In the same way. You must stop. You must stop right there and ask, in what same way, Peter? In what same way, Lord? And to see what Peter is saying to the wives here in verse 1 of chapter 3, we need to back up and go into chapter 2 and look at verses 13, 14, and 15. And we quickly see that Peter is talking about obedience. He's talking about obedience to authority. He's demonstrating it through suffering and submission. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake <coughs> to every human institution whether as to a king, as one who is in authority, or to governors who have been sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And then look at verse 15. We've studied it before. For such is the will of God, that by doing right we will silence the ignorance of foolish men. Hold on to verse 15, ladies. Doing by the will of God doing what is right, we will silence the ignorance of foolish men. Peter is talking about verses 1 through 6 here in chapter 2, verses 13, 14, 15. He is talking about submission. He's talking about honoring authorities. And he's asking us to be in line with what he has commanded us. Because, why? Well, first and foremost, never forget this. God is a God of order. He's a God of order. And if you'll note, in chapter 2, verse 21, it says, You and I, we, and now specifically, wives, you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for us, He has left for you. May I just 
add some words to that. He has left for you an example to follow in His steps. The example being submission. The, the example being honoring your husband. We are to follow in our Lord's footsteps. So in 1 Peter 3, 1, Peter says to you, in the same way, in other words, like the Lord Jesus Christ did, you wives are to be submissive to your own husband. Now, let's, let's ask some questions because they need to be. I hope that you ladies are thinking. What if he isn't leading you as you wish? What if he's not the leader in your house that you had hoped for? God answers that through Peter. He takes the worst case scenario. And he says, yes, you are to be subject to even him. Look at the end of verse 1. Even if any of them, here's the worst case scenario, are disobedient to the word. That is the essence of someone who has fallen so far away from God. Disobedient to his word. You are to be submissive to him. Why are you to be submissive to him? Even if he is disobedient to the word. Look at the end of verse 1 and the start of verse 2. So that this husband of yours may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. So your first action step as a wife is to be an example of Jesus Christ to your husband. Don't forget in the last in chapter 2 verse 15, such is the will of God that by doing what is right you will silence the ignorance of a foolish man. Verse 21 You and I have been called. You ladies have been called for this purpose. Christ also suffered for us. He has left an example for you to follow in His steps. So your first action step, ladies, is to be an example of Christ to your husband and your family. How? Peter nails it. He asks you, verse 1 through 4, through your quiet spirit, through your chaste and respectful behavior, through your willingness to fall under His authority by being submissive to your husband. Let's take a look at the word submission. It's a, in the Greek, is a military term. It is hapatasso, hapatasso. It means to willfully place yourself under another's authority by your own choice, which takes us into verse 7, when it says, since she is a weaker vessel, that doesn't mean you can beat her in arm wrestling. That means she's weaker because she has willfully placed herself under your authority. Therefore, she is a weaker vessel. See, ladies, don't think that the Lord's talking down to you. Actually, He is complimenting you because you're being obedient to being submissive to your own husband. Now, here's the next question that really must be asked. What if he asks you to sin? What if in this messed up society in which we live, he physically tries to harm you? Paul states with more clarity this issue. In Colossians 3.18, Paul says to the wife, you, he says the same thing, wives, be subject to your own husband, but, he adds, as is fitting unto the Lord. 
In other words, if your husband's actions place you in danger, either spiritually or physically, you're not to be subject to that. You see, this, that action would not be fitting unto our Lord. And as Peter says in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we must obey God rather than man. So then you need not be under His authority. But your first obligation is always to the Lord. So if sin comes into the picture or physical danger occurs, then ladies, you are not to submit. Every time I get to this place in Scripture, I think of my, my, the best friend that I've ever had as far as ministry goes. My greatest example of Christ in human flesh was a man named Kenny Hutcherson. You know of him, I think. If you, if you hadn't, I'm so sorry that, that you didn't get a chance to meet him. I've never met a man who walked more, more uprightly with God in every situation, whether it be in fun. He had more fun than any Christian ought to have, and he did it all under the love of God. And when it came to being serious, he was more serious about biblical matters than anybody I've ever known, and he never varied, never varied. I've met guys that vary, but he never varied. I'm about to meet him through ministry with athletes. He was at one time, this is all you need to know about him, if you know anything about football, he was a middle linebacker drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Linebackers are very forceful people. They're very physical men. And Hutch was imposing. When he was young and, and when he just got out through playing ball, and the only reason he had to stop playing ball is that both of his knees got blown out in training camp two years in a row, first one, then the other. And he looked at it and said, Okay, Lord, you must be wanting me to go into ministry. He just never wavered. And so he and I became really best of friends. And we ministered together with athletes and their wives, basketball players and football players and baseball players and, and, and then came hockey players and they were a trip. Boy, hockey guys are just something else. They're, they're not really big, but boy, are they tough. Uh, and, 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 and it was hard to have them ministering with each other because during a hockey game, there's the natural function of having a fist fight. And some of these guys who were called on their team enforcers had to blend in with guys on other teams that they've had fights with. And they were, that was fun dealing with them. But then came the Coupe de Gras. We ministered to some rodeo cowboys. You've never known tougher guys in your life than you meet a rodeo cowboy. They're not big normally. They're kind of small and wiry. And Hutch made a relationship with this couple. I think they were wise enough, she was wise enough to make a relationship with him. She read him like a book. And she came to him during one of the conferences and says, I don't know how to do all of this. And he says, what do you mean? All of this that I've been taught here at this conference. Why? He says, because my husband beats me regularly. (sighs) He said, let's go see him. So he went and he talked to him. He was so serious. I wish all of you had an opportunity to be around Hutch for any length of time. This couple became so enamored by Hutch, the the man especially, that they moved. I think they lived in Oklahoma. I'm still not certain where they're from. And now I can't call Hutch and ask. 
They moved from Oklahoma, let's say, to Bellevue, Washington, where his church was, so that they could sit under his teaching. They lived there for a year, trying to learn, so that he would not physically abuse his wife and so that they would understand what it really meant to be a man and a woman who loved the Lord. They did really well, and they moved away. And some months later, Hutch told me the story. I never, never, I wasn't there personally. I never saw it. He said he got a phone call. She was crying, and she said he did it again. He said, I'll be there. You got to know Hutch. He jumped on a plane that day. He walked up to that house, and he knocked on the door, and he said, come here, you. He grabbed him, he told me, by his collar of his shirt, and he took him outside, and he said, I'm going to beat you to a pulp, and I'm going to beat you until you start crying, and I'm not going to stop until you beg me to stop through your tears. Now, if you ever wondered what is real, true, biblical counseling, that's counseling 101, folks. This guy begged him not to beat him. And so Hutch, in his grace, said, Okay, but if she ever calls me again, you'll wish you took this beating rather than the beating I'm going to give you. That's biblical counseling 101. Ladies, if there's anybody, any of you, that are being abused, let us know. There are enough big guys in this church. I'm too old anymore. I can't. But there's enough big guys in this church that we will, we will deal with this. And we will help you. No woman should go through that. No woman should ever go through that. Ever. So if he sins or he is physically beating you, then you have no biblical reason to fall willfully under his submission. But until then, God has asked you as a wife to willfully submit yourselves to your own husband, even if he is disobedient to the word of God. And why? So you may win them to Christ. And how is explained in verses 3 through 6. Ladies, look. Your obedience, as you'll note, falls into the hands of the Lord. I mean, excuse yes, your obedience falls into the hands of the Lord. It's taken out of your hands, lady. God says, verse 3, Let not your adornment be merely external, the braiding of your hair, the wearing of gold jewelry, or the putting on of dresses. In that time, that was a woman dressed to the max, looking as good as she could ever look. He says, don't let it just merely be external, but rather, he says, verse 4, let it be that hidden person of your heart. Let it be that place of the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of your husband. It doesn't say that, does it? I misread that on purpose. It is precious in the sight of God. You're not trying to impress your husband. What you're trying to do is get God to move in his life. Precious in the sight of God. God has asked you as a woman to be, to be these things so that you would be precious to him and that he would move in your husband's life and your life. How do I know that? Let's read on. It says this, verse 5, For in this way, in former times, holy women also who 
hoped in God. They didn't hope in their husband. They hoped in God. They used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Verse 6, really key. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And we all know that Abraham was a, a scoundrel, that guy. She called him Lord, and you've become her children if you do what is right. Note, without being frightened by any fear. Without being frightened by any fear. As far as I understand it, to put yourself under the authority of a, of a husband, to be submissive to him, I think, and he is not doing what you want him to do as the husband, I think that would be very scary. I think that would be intimidating to try to live that type of life, to do the things that God has asked you to do, those things that are precious in his sight, not your husband's sight. And he says, if Peter's saying, if you do these things, you can do them without being frightened with any fear. God sees what's going on, and he will move in his life. And as we're going to learn later on as we study through this, God forbid if you turn that husband of yours into the man that you want him to be. No, no, no. Please, I beg of you ladies, let God turn him into the man that He wants him to be. I've counseled enough couples in marriages that are going kind of upside down to know that this is true. When a woman has become so... Uh, aggressive to her husband and, 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 and browbeats him and, and gets him to where he's kind of, you know, and she's told me he's not the man that I married. And so we invite him into the office and they come in and here's this guy coming in. Where do I sit? Where do I sit, dear? Over here. Okay. And I watch right before my eyes and I think to myself, she said to me, he's not the husband not the man that you want him to be. For goodness sake, I, I feel like saying, why don't you put a dress on this guy? He is anything. No wonder you don't think he's the man that you married. No, I wouldn't. Who would think that that's the man that you've married? Don't you turn him into the man you want him to be. Let God do it. And he will make him so wonderful for you, ladies. He will make him so wonderful for you. Be submissive to your own husband. These things are precious in the sight of God. Do it without being fearful, having any fear. Now, we're about to close. Guys, guys, if she is willing to become submissive to you, then what is your job as her husband? Read again with me verse 7. Just quickly, we're going to go over this next week. Ladies, if you have to, drag your husbands to church next week. It says, you husbands, likewise, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. First thing you've got to see, gentlemen, is the word likewise or in the same way. These are the same words that, that the Lord God used when He spoke to the women in verse 1. Likewise, in the same way. In other words, gentlemen, we too are to be submissive. We too are to fall under authority. We too are to be obedient and humble. We as husbands are to follow in our Lord's steps. And so when you wonder what it is to be a man that loves his wife, well, you love her like Jesus Christ loves the church. Tall order. 
And to love her like Christ loves the church, you ought to understand her. You ought to live with her in an understanding way. You just don't want to miss next week, gentlemen. I want to hear what God has to say to you about how do we do that as husbands. Look, think it through. As a man, how intimidating it would be. How would you like to be under someone's authority all the time? Well, for men, it's not as, as, it's not as big a sting as it is for a woman. The reason it is for a woman, I'll give you a clue already, it's part of the curse. Part of the curse, ladies, is that you want to, you want to uh, the word is, uh, you want to control, want to uh, control your husband. It's not the right word. I forgot it right off the top of my head. And so you want to be here next week. Gentlemen, you want to hear this. You want to hear what it is to be a husband. Now, let me just share with you as we close. Don't forget, next Saturday is what day? Anybody know? Valentine's Day. Now, in each service, the two services before, I, I said, now for some, some ladies, you need to find out, gentlemen, for some ladies, to the wife, it's not a big deal. I've had a lot of women's just, no, it's not. In our house, it's not a big deal. Valentine's Day is, uh, I can give Kay a card, write how much I love her on it, and that's plenty. For some of you, though, we gotta, you got to get all dressed up and go out to some nice restaurant. you got to figure out what that is. Ask your wife, what, what would make you feel special on Valentine's Day? Ladies, <coughs> be naked and not ashamed. In other words, be... No. Oh, yeah. I understand. I get it now. That's not what I was saying, but that's not bad. That's not bad. No, what I was... Me naked. Oh, golly, I love you guys. I had no idea. Being naked means transparent. <laughs> not ashamed means being open with one another. When your husband asks you that serious a question, be honest with him. Tell him the truth. I want out of here. I wish there was a ripcord. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, stop digging. Stop digging. No, no, thanks. Find out. Find out. Thanks. I, I like that joke, too. I, I, listen, I was raised in a locker room. I think I didn't mean, know what I was saying, but when I thought it through, that was funny. And true. Uh, okay. Valentine's Day. One of the nicest gifts you can give to your wife is to bring her here on Sunday, maybe a little early, and, and we'll, we'll buy you breakfast. And you can just uh, spend some time with, her, uh, with the Lord. In a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer up here. Any of you that need prayer. It doesn't necessarily be for your marriage. It can be for anything. Uh, there's, there's, I've gotten some very, very amazing, um, distressful calls this week uh, of people going through some really deep waters. And I've been praying for them without ceasing. I mean, I, I think about it all the time and, and pray. So it doesn't necessarily you come up here for prayers for your marriage. You can pray for almost anything. Maybe it's a family member. It's uh, someone that's, you know, that's going through deep waters. And we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to be a church that prays for one another. Now, I want to tell you I love you. I cannot even begin to tell you how much I love being back here. Because of what I was told, I'm not supposed to hug a lot or get in, in, be in contact a lot because I'm uh, weak. I can't think of the word yet, Dave, but I tried to tell you. I'm susceptible. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just vulnerable to, uh, to germs uh, right now for whatever reason. 
And so um, I'm going to kind of stay away from hugging and all of that stuff for a while. But it doesn't mean that I don't love you. I love you with all my heart. Thanks for praying for me. Father, we want to thank you for this church. It's a very special place. Thank you for laughter. Where I mess up, Father, uh, we have people that understand and, and, and enjoy a, a good laugh, Father. And so thank you for that. Thank you for your kindness. God bless our marriages. God bless our church. You've ordained both church and marriage. Let us be everything that you want us to be, Father. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Boy, I love you guys. Have a great rest of this day.